So if you, if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 5, this morning, uh, as we start and as we're, we're, we're getting ready, just coming off of Christmas and getting ready just a few days away from the new year, I want to start with a question. How are you feeling about 2019? How are you feeling? How a couple people said good. You know, it's right here on our doorstep. And, and I know there's different feelings that come with the new year. You know, some might be excited about it. Some of you, or there might be some people in here, I know that, I don't know if they're in this service, you might be getting married this coming year. Matter of fact, I was thinking about it. I have three weddings that I'm officiating just in March and in April. So, you know, in the springtime, love is going to be, is in the air for sure. So some of you in here, you're getting married. You, you already have the date set. For some of you, maybe, or maybe you're having a baby this year, you know, and you already know when that's going to be. Uh, you know, maybe for some of you, this is the year you retire. You know, I know one person for sure in here this year, they're retiring, you know. Um, maybe this is the year your, your kids are leaving home or you want them to leave home. Maybe <laughs> that, that might be better said. Uh, you know. Maybe this is, <laughs> maybe this is the year you graduate. You might be graduating from high school or college this year. You know, so for so, so those things, maybe it's something that you're really excited about. Some of you, you're a little nervous about this year, maybe, and what's ahead of you. Some of the things that uh, you know you're going to have to face are uh, so, some issues that you don't want to face in the coming year. For some of you, you're not excited. You're not nervous. You're just thinking, Hey, it's just another year. You know, we got another one in the books. Another one's coming. You know, the most common thing we hear is, Man, it's already a new year, right? Do you say that and think that like another year come and gone already? You know, I've always heard this and I know it's to be true. They say that the, the older you get, the faster time goes, right? Doesn't it feel that way? Just like you blink, man, you know, it's just like, and, and another year is gone. That's the most common one. So, you know, if you're not the one in here that, that's that excited about it, or you may be a little bit nervous. And even if you are, I still want to, I want to try to help you to look forward to the new year this morning. Instead of being shocked or, and more importantly, you might be excited about looking forward to the new year because of this, because you're maybe focusing on what this didn't happen. Maybe this year was a disappointing year for you. And, and so you, you need to look forward to that year. So let's not look backwards, right? This year is pretty much over, right? Just a couple of days left and 2018 is going to be wrapped up. This year is gone. I actually talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. I, I preached a message called the new that God has for you. And my first point was, uh, you know, uh, to, to look forward. You know, when Paul says it in, in Philippians chapter four, not to forget what lies behind and press on to what lies ahead, right? So this morning, I, I want to help us to all just focus on looking ahead and how we can look forward to the new year. But let's first and foremost, of course, let's start out. What does God say about looking forward. When Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 in the Living Bible, it says this, for because of your faith, God has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to what? To becoming all that God has in mind for us to be. Isn't that a good scripture? Why don't we pray before we dive into the word anymore? Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you as 2018 is coming to a close and we're coming up in 2019. We do thank you for what you've done. And, but Lord, we're looking forward. Help us start with me, Lord, to continue to look forward to 2019. Help us to all joyfully and confidently look forward to what it is that you want to do in us, what you have in mind for us, Lord. I pray that you would bind up all distraction, uh, anything of the enemy that would cause, Lord God, this confusion. Help me as I present your word, uh, that it would be clear and that we would all have the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if you look forward to a new year, if you're looking forward to a new year, it has to do with your circumstances, it has to do with, with, you know, like, uh, uh, certain things happening and certain things going a certain way. I cannot promise you you're going to have a good new year, right? No one can. 
The truth is none of us know what's coming, what we're going to face in the new year. We don't know what the circumstances are going to be. Some of them are going to be a surprise to us, right? You know, if you're looking, again, based on your circumstances, then what do you really have to look forward to? You know, based on this verse that we just read, God says you can look forward not to better circumstances necessarily, but you can look forward to being a better you, right? All that God has in mind for you or has in store for you. You can look forward to growth uh, that he wants you to work in your life. You can look forward to a stronger relationship with him. You can look forward to what he wants to do in your life on a daily basis. You can look forward to growth in your character and your wisdom. We just recently finished up a whole series on this, on personal growth. It was called Grow. If you missed any of those, I want to encourage you to go to our app and, and, and or go to our podcast and check them out. It's a whole, I think, six, maybe eight-week series on personal growth. And, and that's what this scripture is saying is, is, is that, you know, instead of circumstances or what's going to happen, what we're going to get, what we're going to do, where we're going to go, what is it God has in mind? He says we can confidently and joyfully look forward to all that God wants to do in us. So you know what? Your new year can look exactly the same as it did this year, or it can be totally different. But according to the scripture, really that what goes on around us or how it looks is irrelevant to what God wants to do in us. So y'all tracking with me? So I want to spend some time together this morning looking forward to what God wants to do. I want to show you four ways that you can look forward to the new year. All of these things that we're going to talk about, you can start doing actually right now in this service. You don't have to wait till you get home this afternoon or this morning. You don't have to wait till New Year's Day or next month or, or, or the first, the second quarter of the year. You can start right now. Matter of fact, I don't always encourage you to do this, but this morning, I want to encourage you to take notes. If you have a pen and, and, a, and a paper, something to write with, and you like to take paper notes, I want to encourage you to be, I, I want this to be very interactive with you. And if not, you can take notes on our app. Again, if you have our church app, you can pull out your phone. If you have a tablet, and, and, and in the outline, there's a place where you can take notes under every point. If not, just pull out your the notes part of your phone, the, the app on your phone where you can just take notes. And there's going to be specific things I want you to do. I want you to take a moment, get, get, seriously, get your phone out, get something out. I want you to take notes because this is something, you know, we talk about New Year's resolutions and I've started that a lot of ones, but it's a little different. This year, I'm not going to ask you to write down goals and resolution, all those kind of things, but I want you to take notes this morning. We've got paper notes in the back. You can fill in, in in between the lines or write on the back of that if you need to, but I want you to take some notes this morning. So here are four things to help you to look forward to the new year. And these were the, these are what the four things are. Something to let go of something to adjust, something to do, and something to hold on to. And I'm going to go through all. You don't have to write those down. I'm, I'm going to go through all four of those. Number one, we need something to let go of. And what you need to let go of is your worries. You, let go of your worries. Don't carry the worries of 2018 into 2019. Now, when people just say flippantly, don't worry, doesn't that sort of bug you sometimes? Does it? Because it's not that easy, right? Listen, I, I preach that all the time, and I'm, you know, it's not that easy. I'm like, yeah, easier said than done. Man, just don't worry. Stop worrying. Why worry, you know? It's not as easy as it sounds. It's a struggle to let go of your worries because your worries are real things. They're genuine in your life. Worry, let me, let me explain worry for a minute. Worry is not a legitimate concern that causes you to act. That's not what I'm talking about right here. I like this. this somebody said it like this. Worry is stewing without doing. I like that. Worry is stewing without doing. You're stewing in your mind, your thoughts, your emotions without doing anything about it. You're just worry, 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 thinking about it. Worry is a nervous anxiety about what might happen that keeps you from enjoying what is happening or looking forward to what could happen, right? 
That's what worry is all about. It, it Worry robs us of the present moment. Matter of fact, there's one man of God that calls it the sacrament of the present moment. He said we spend most of our time worrying, uh, or mulling over the past of what happened or worrying about what's going to happen in the future. We miss what's going on right now. That's what worry is all about. Instead of worrying about, when you worry about what might happen, you miss what is happening or what could happen. And even if it motivates you to get something done, and worry sometimes does, it hurts you in the end because it keeps, it steals your quality of life. It, the Bible makes it very clear. There's so many scriptures. I, matter of fact, the first message I ever preached on Sunday morning from the stage was called Why Worry? It was, it was, I preached a whole message on worry. And, and, and because it, it's so true, there's so much the Bible says about worry. You know, it keeps joy at arm's distance. It keeps everyone around you nervous and anxious as well. You ever been around a nervous person? Man, they, they make, they make you nervous, right? They make you, you ever been around somebody that's nervous and they're standing up and you're like, hey man, sit down. No, I'm good. No, no, sit down. It's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just, no, man, you're making me nervous. Can you please sit down? You know, can you take it easy? It, it, it makes you nervous. Look at what Psalms 37, 8 says. Don't give in to worry or anger. It only leads to trouble. When we get, give in to, to worry and anger, that's a whole nother one right there. But when we give in to worry, it, 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 again, it leads to trouble. You know, it, it robs you of health. There's a scripture that talks about, you know, don't worry and keep your health. It robs us of emotional, mental, and even physical health. So how do you let go of worry? You know, sometimes what you don't do is, is, is you know, use logic. Sometimes we try to use logic to get ourselves out of worry. We think, you know, if I can just convince myself that, that it really isn't worry, or we use the statistic, something like this, that says 92% of what we're worried about never happens. So you think that, okay, well, 92% of what I'm worried about doesn't even happen. But you might be the person like, yeah, but what if my worries are in that 8%? Actually, all my worries are in that 8%, right? So you really can't logic your way out of, of, of stopping to worry. What's God's prescription? What does God say about worry? Well, you know, I want to look at this next verse, and I know a lot of y'all have seen it. I use it often when I'm ministering, you know, uh, but it, it, it's God's prescription for worry. And, and let me just say this. You know, if there's a certain pill, you might like Advil, you might like Tylenol, certain, et cetera. And there's, there's certain kind of, you know, headache medicines that work better for certain people, you know. And if you know that that, if, if I know, like for me, I take ibuprofen when I have a headache. I know that that works. It usually knocks out my headache. If I know ibuprofen works, I'm not going to look for a different kind of pill, right? I'm not going to ask you for a different headache medicine if I know that headache medicine works, right? So I know you've probably heard this scripture. You read it before. But this is how God says to deal with worry. And it, and it works. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. Again, I know you stop there like, well, that's easier said than done. But then he goes on and gives us the prescription. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that you, thank him for all he's done. If you do this, listen, that's the prescription. If you do this, then you experience God's peace. So when it comes to worry, God's prescription is first to pray about everything, tell him what you need, and then to thank him for what he's done. So let's talk about that real quick. Tell God your needs. You know, maybe you haven't talked to God about your needs Lately, maybe you think it's selfish to tell God what you need. Maybe you pray for everybody else, but you don't pray for yourself or ask God about your needs. Well, it's not selfish to ask God for the things you need. He tells us, he commands us to do it right here. You know, is there a need in your life you haven't been talking to God about? You need to talk to him about your needs, even the ones that you're not sure that he wants you to have in your life. You might think it's a need, but, but let me, let's talk about this. You know, the only way to figure out Really, I mean, there's some things, of course, we know we need, you know, God, I need a job because I have bills and I need to pay, right? We know those kind of things. But there might be certain things in your life that you feel like you need 
And maybe you really don't. But the only way you're going to find that out is if you talk to the Lord about it. See, I want to come at this at a little different angle. You know, if I go into 2018 and say, man, you know what? I want a brand new Jaguar convertible. That's what I need, Lord. I need that in my life. I believe the Lord would quickly say, no, you don't. And some of y'all looking out here and say, no, you don't. You know, you don't need that or whatever. Put, put the greatest thing. I really don't. I'm not even in the cars. I wouldn't even want that. You know, I, whatever the case may be, you know. But if you might not, you might sincerely think you have a need, but, but, but as you begin to talk to God about it, a lot of times when we tell God what we need, we find out what we really need. See, we ask God for this need over here, and as we begin to pray about it, and as the Lord begins to minister to us, he might take us down the road, and it's like, no, that's you think that's what you need, but this is what you're really needing over here. But you never know unless you start that conversation with the Lord. You know, we often miss the other part, so we know we got to pray about it. The conversation's praying, praying to God. That's what conversation with God is. It's prayer. We tell him what we need, and we often miss the part where he says, thank him for what he's already done. You know, what I find is that when you thank the Lord, actually, when you do the last one, when you thank the Lord for what he's already done, it builds faith in you. And it begins to diminish the worry because you think, okay, if God's helped me with all these other things I was worried about, Lord, I thank you that you got me out of this. You provided this. You did this. What I find is that it releases the worry because it's like, wait, Lord, I know you're going to do it again here. And that's why I believe he says to do that. We thank him for what he's done because it it it. it it helps us with, with, with faith. But but how do you actually do it? Here's the other part of where what's how do you actually uh, you know um release the worry? First Peter 5 7 says it this way: cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you, right? Now we know the only way, listen, you cast your cares through prayer. You cast your care through prayer, you know. <sighs> Let me give you a different illustration that I've that I've seen before. Casting is kind of like, it's kind of like when you go fishing, right? You have to cast the line out in the water. So picture worry as kind of like the lure at the end of your line or the hook, the everything, the bait, and you have, you cast it into the water. The Bible says that if you have any anxiety, you don't just look at it and study it and, and, and keep it close and try to figure it out. No, you take your anxiety and you cast it on the Lord. The actual Greek word for that, it, it really, it, it means somebody that has a heavy load that's casting it off of them onto an animal. That's the picture in the Greek. But, but in a more modern South Louisiana illustration, I'm going to use fishing, okay? All right? So it's like you, if you have, once you get your bait on there and you get everything, you don't just, a good fishing trip, you're not just like, wow, look at this bait. Look at this, man, this hook is really nice. You're not going to, you're not going to be much very successful. The more you cast, the more chance you have. I was like, is that my phone? So I think it is. All right. But if you know, if you're of human nature, you're human like me. Once you cast that thing on the Lord, what happens? A lot of days we get it, we get up from bed and we reel that thing back in, right? You got rid of it yesterday, but you get up tomorrow because that problem's still there. And you, and, and you, in a sense, you reel it back in. So what do you do? Well, just like fishing, you cast it back out, right? In a good fishing trip, you continue to cast and you reel it in. When I go fishing, we cast, we reel in, right? CJ, my father-in-law sitting back there, I fish with him a lot. You cast, you reel it in. You cast, you reel it in. Human nature is that we, we'll, we'll get worry off of us, but late, it don't even have to be the next morning. In the same hour, sometimes I feel peace and then I'm like, I start thinking about it again. Is it just me? Or are y'all more spiritual than me? The same hour you can be thinking about the same. You just prayed about it. I gave it to the Lord. Man, I got peace. I'm walking on, on sunshine, like the, the song says. And then like an hour later, I'm like, I'm worried again, you know? So the Bible says, hey, continue to cast that thing upon the Lord. Continue. Cast it on every day. The key with worry, daily worry is right here. You got to cast it on it, right? 
People think, man, if I could just get rid of this, just cut the line, so to speak, and get rid of it. But it's not what the Bible is saying to do, and it's not how human nature works. If you pick it back up, cast it again. Look, you might literally do this dozens of times today uh, or every day, but that's the way you deal with worry. In prayer, you continue to cast it on the Lord. But here's the key. When you do that, the Bible says it's not just casting it out and getting rid of it. What's the motivation? When you're fishing, the motivation to cast that, that line out there is to catch a fish. The motivation of casting it on the Lord is not only to get it off of you, but the motivation that is going to work is found in the next part, because he cares for you. See, if you know the Lord truly cares for you, then you're going to keep giving it to him. You're going you're gonna to you're gonna continue to cast that problem, that burden, because you know he loves you and cares for you so much, he don't want you carrying that. You were never made to carry that burden. He says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So every time you have a worry, every time you have anxiety, it's an opportunity to remind yourself that God cares for me. Are y'all following me? So this year, look forward. Let your worries go, but with the motivation that your worries should motivate you or remind you that God, how much God cares for you. See, sometimes we, we worry so much about things thinking God doesn't care for us, but the Bible tells us our worries should motivate us and remind us how much God cares for us. We can cast our cares on him because he cares for us, right? This is what Jesus taught, Matthew 6, 28 and 30. And why do you worry about your clothes? Look at all the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, what does Jesus say? Won't he surely care about you, right? Jesus taught the same thing before Paul even came on the scene. And wrote that to the Philippians. He, he, he told him, or to first Peter, should I say, when Peter said that, right? Jesus said, look, your heavenly father cares for you, so don't worry because he cares. If you know that God cares for you, you can cast those cares and not worry. Remind yourself every day. So the first thing to look forward to is God cares about you. Let your worries go and that God cares about you in the midst of your worries. Number two, the second thing is you need to adjust, adjust your expectations for 2019. Adjust your expectations. See, the way you think about something is going to govern your life. The expectation you have about something is going to lead your life. Here's how the Bible says it in Proverbs 4, 23. It says, be careful what you think because your thoughts will run your life. Be careful what you think because your thoughts will run your life. And that goes right back to point number one. If your thoughts are constantly worried, that's going to run your life. Be careful what you think. Your thoughts will run your life. If you have an expectation of what's going to happen and then reality doesn't match up with that expectation, the reality is going to run your life. Isn't going to run your life. Your thoughts are going to run your life. You tracking with me? It's not the reality. It's going to be your expectation. So you're going to get upset, uptight, down, bummed out if it didn't work out like you wanted it. But really the fault isn't the circumstance. The fault was your expectation. See, sometimes we have unrealistic expectations. Matter of fact, talked about, um, you know, marrying these couples uh, in the spring, and we do pre-marriage counseling here, and, and that's one of the things we always talk about, unrealistic expectations. Because when a young couple gets together, they, you know, googly-eyed, rose-colored glasses, and like, they'll never do anything wrong. And we're like, God bless you, you know. That's what we call unrealistic expectations, right? And we work through that, you know, and, and so... We need, to have, we need to adjust our expectations. Let me give you an example just coming off of Christmas. So some of y'all, this might have really happened to you. Say you bought something for Christmas and you assembled, you had something that took some assembly. Maybe you want to put it under the tree for your kids the next morning, right? And on the box it said, have you ever read quick and easy assembly, right? 
So you thought, man, I'm going to knock this thing out in about 15 to 20 minutes, maybe 30 tops. And before you know it, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, you're pulling your hair out, right? And, you, you know, instead of it being a quick and endly assembly, there you are, early wee hours of the morning, you know. So that your, your expectation didn't match reality, right? Now, if the box would have said that this Satan-designed contraption will take 20 hours of your life, you would have had a more realistic expectation, right? Then you would have known, but no, it's a quick and easy assembly. So expectation didn't match reality. For you know it, whatever thing you're putting together, this thing is rotten. I can't stand this thing. This night's ruined, right? Your whole, you get all out of your box. Some of y'all, that might have really happened to you over the week, right? Be honest. <laughs> you're laughing. It probably did happen to some of y'all. So that's what expectation can do, right? How many golfers we have in the house? Any golfers? Not a, a few, not a whole lot of golfers, a few of y'all. I don't play golf, but, but this is true. If you're playing golf, let me just give you a couple more illustrations. You're playing golf. You go off on the golf course, and you expect to hit par every hole. Now, you've never hit par in your life, but you expect to hit this today. I'm going to hit par in every hole. You know what? This, it's not going to happen. And what's the result? Nobody wants to play golf with you, and you end up with bent golf clubs, Right? Right? Look, I put this message together uh, Thursday. It was in my notes. And I thought about this just yesterday. Somebody showed me a video as, as a duck hunter. Somebody showed me a video of a guy who was calling some ducks. And he has, he's standing in water in some waders. And he has a shotgun in his hand. He's, he's calling these ducks. And obviously, they didn't come in. And the dude gets so frustrated, he just throws his shotgun in the water. And I'm like, what happened? His expectation was that those ducks were going to come down into his hole in his decoys. And the reality didn't match it. So old boy threw his shotgun in the water, you know? And so it's just like, it's so true. You know, if you have, if you have expectations that, 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 that it can really, that aren't real, they can really ruin you. So are you expecting the perfect year? Like this is it. This year is going to be my year. It's going to be absolutely perfect and smooth. If you're expecting that, you're going to be sorely disappointed, right? There's no such thing as a perfect year, a perfect person on this planet. That's heaven, not earth, right? So if I expect something that's never going to happen, then obviously I'm setting myself. So what do you do? How do you adjust your expectations? Well, what you don't do is going around expecting to worse. That's not what I'm saying. Don't go around and expecting that, you know, that not, everything's bad is going to happen this year. You know, I'm, I'm just going to think the worst is going to happen, so I'm not disappointed. That doesn't work either. And again, nobody wants to be around a depressing person like you, right? When that happens, you, you, you don't want to, you know, you got to have realistic expectations, but of course, you don't want, I'm not saying expect the worst. So what do you do? Let me give you a few things. Write this down. You expect the best. Expect the best. Start by expecting the best. Expecting the best for your life. Expecting the best for other people's lives. Expect the best in your relationship with the Lord. Now, the best doesn't mean perfect, right? You know, my wife is not perfect. And I'm not, you know, that's the truth. She's not perfect. She'll tell you that certain service. But my wife is the best woman for me. Amen? She's not perfect. She's, but you know what? She's the best person that God has designed in mind for me, right? So, so the, expecting the best is not expecting perfection. But you gotta also realize that, you know what? God works even in the worst. That's just a side note. Even in the worst circumstances, God still works, right? That's what Romans 8 28 says. That God works all things to the good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So if it doesn't work out like I thought it was gonna work out, that does that mean that God doesn't work in the circumstance? He still will. But the Bible is example after example of the fact that God will work in those circumstances in our lives. So expect the best. Next thing you do is that you focus on the greatest. What are the greatest things in life? 
for me to have realistic expectations, I want to focus on the best. And what's the greatest? What's the greatest thing I need to focus on this year or this coming year? The greatest is not your circumstances. The greatest things in my life is my relationship with God, my relationship with my family, my relationship with you as the church, et cetera, my neighbors. And what, you know, those relationships is what's the greatest things in our life, right? Truly, at the end of the day, it's your relationship with God and people. That's the greatest things you can have in this earth, right? The greatest things that you need to focus on might be your own character, like we talked about earlier in last series, building up your life. So you focus on that which is the greatest. And that what you focus on is going to last. This is a verse that I've often used again. It helps me, and I've, I've tried to help many people with this. Philippians 4, 8, I, I often use this as funerals. and It says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You notice that Paul right here doesn't say focus on perfection, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying focus on the best things and what things that are the greatest things, things that are true, honorable, right, pure. That's why I often use this at, 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 at funerals because, it, of course, you're always focusing on, on the loss of a loved one and, and going. And, you know, I think I shared this on a Wednesday night. Let me pause and just thank the church right now. Thank y'all. Through, through the time of my mom passing, y'all were absolutely amazing. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. So many people uh, came out uh, both for the wake and for the service for my mom and heard so many stories of how many lives she touched, all the, 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 the things that was written on Facebook and on the website. Uh, it was just truly a best. And so I just wanted to thank you. I think I did it on Wednesday, but I want to thank you all uh, from the bottom of my heart how much you all are blessed and how much, you know, hearing you all stories helped me to focus on how great my mom's life was. Amen. So that's, that's a good, I wouldn't even plan it on using this, but see, y'all doing that helped me and my family and my children. We wanted people to come up and speak so my children could hear, my niece can hear how awesome their grand was and the impact that she had. And so that people that asked me, even this morning, some people gave them condolences, asked how we were doing. We're actually doing pretty good. Of course, we have our moments. Of course, we miss her first Christmas without her. We you kept her traditions that she would do when we do for Christmas, you know. But you know what? Focusing on the best, not the last year of her life where she was really sick and hurting, but focusing on her best in life has helped us get through. Amen? That's how you change expectation. So ask yourself. You might, first of all, want to memorize Philippians 4. One of my go-to scriptures. I love it for myself. And, and as I say, I share it quite often. Ask yourself, what expectation do I need to adjust right now going into the new year? What expectation do I need to adjust right now going into the new year? Maybe you have some unrealistic expectation and you need to adjust it. Ask the Lord to help you. Let me make a suggestion. If there's something that you're thinking has to happen next year, some circumstance that has to work out for the year to be a good one, some circumstance that's out of your control, chances are if you says this has to work out, you probably need to adjust that expectation. Because we read in Romans 8, 28 that not, even when things don't work out that you thought had to, God still works in it, Right? So that might be an expectation you need to adjust. So how do you look forward to the new year? One, you let go of your worries. Two, you adjust your expectations. And then the third thing you do to look forward to this new year is that you take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Right here at the beginning of the year, right on our doorstep, you take a step of faith. Faith has to be a part of our new year. We have to, even before it gets here, we have to go into the new year with faith, right? Just like anything in our life. The Bible says faith is what pleases God. You got to have faith that this new year is going to be a good year, right? With realistic expectations and whatnot. You got to have faith, you know? And again, I mean, when I say, let, let me, before I move on, when I say realistic expectations, I'm not saying lower your expectations. I'm not saying 
you know, that, that you're shooting for a lower uh, quality of life or with God. I, I believe for the best, right? Fo- I say focus on the best, but believe. And that really, why we get to the next uh, point is believe for the best. Take a step of faith. Focus on the greatest. Believe your expectation should be with God. Again, you remember how we started? Is what God has in mind for us. So in order to receive and carry out what God has in mind for us, we got to have faith, right? But it's not only having faith. This point's about taking a step of faith, right? There's a chapter in the Bible that's called by many people the faith chapter or the hall of faith. You know, Brother James said that in the sound booth earlier when I was in there. Some people call it the hall of faith. Hebrews 11 gives us at the beginning of the at the beginning, the definition of faith, and then throughout the chapter, it talks about how faith acts. So let's look at Hebrews 11, very first verse says this. To have faith is to be sure of the things that we hope for, to be certain of the things we cannot see. So sure of what we hope for is to be sure of what we hope for in Christ. Certain of what we don't see because of his love, his power, and his great grace. That's the definition of faith. So how does faith act? That gets to this definition. That's what faith is. But we're talking about taking a step to faith, putting some action to our faith. So I want you to look up at the screen. I want you to look at these words. Understood, offered, decided, built, went, trusted, blessed, refused, left, persevered, kept, welcomed, and conquered. Those words are all words in Hebrews chapter 11 about how people acted because they had faith. These are the actions that people took because they had faith. In your notes, if you jot down uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to quickly go through these words, and you can go and read the references. And I'm going I'm to reference the people. I'm not going to go verse by verse, line by line. I want you to go back and part of it study. But I want to talk about this. As I go through this in a little bit, as I walk through them, I want to encourage you to write one or more of them down as an action of faith that you need to take in the new year. So I'm not just telling you you need to have faith. We all know that, and we should, and maybe you don't, and maybe today faith will drop in you. But these are action steps. So I want you to, as I begin to go through these, write these down. It might be one of the words of, as I give an example from Hebrews chapter 11. Some people, because they had faith, they understood. That's the first one. They understood that the heavens were formed by God's command. They understood that he made everything. See, faith just needs to understand that God works all things together for his good. Again, Romans 8.28. God is present in my life even through all of this. Maybe that's yours. Faith actually just understanding that God is going to be with me and work it out even in the worst circumstances. Some people, because of faith, they offered. They gave an offering to God. They offered themselves. They offered the things in their lives to God as a sign of faith. Other people decided because they had faith. They made a decision to do something because of faith. Some people built. There's a guy that we all know about named Noah. That he built an ark because he had faith. Maybe God wants you to build something this year because you have faith. And I'm not talking about something physical. I can see a husband not nudging his wife. See, I've been needing to build that both shed. You see, I, I have faith to do it this year, right? It might not be something physical, right? You know, maybe he wants you to build something for his kingdom, right? Maybe he wants you to build a relationship that hasn't been built or work on a relationship that's maybe was established and got torn down. Maybe God wants you to build. Some people went because they had faith. Abraham was living in one place and God said, I want you to live in another place. And he went. Maybe God wants you to go somewhere. Some people trusted because they had faith, trusting all. They trusted their all to God. 
Other people blessed others. That means they encouraged or helped people. They maybe even gave them a blessing. Maybe that's the step of faith you need to take more of next year. Some people refused things in their lives. Moses refused all the privileges he could have in Egypt. Maybe you need to refuse something because of faith. Other people left. The people of Israel left the place where they were slaves and they went to the promised land. Maybe God wants you to leave something this year. Maybe a place in your life. Maybe a situation. Might be a, maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a you know, certain circumstance that you're in that you might need to leave in faith. Other people persevered because of their faith. It might just be perseverance that you need. Maybe you barely made it through the finish line of 2018, but this year your step of faith is, you know what, I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep walking through this in faith. Some people kept the thing that they had promised because they had faith. Some welcomed other people into their lives because they had faith. And other people conquered because they had faith. Maybe you wrote down one of these words. Maybe God's brought a different word to mind as I read through those. Write them down. Write that word. Start with just one word. On that list, is there something that you need to take a step of faith to do in 2019? What is it that God wants you to do to take a step of faith? Look at the one you wrote down now. If you did, hopefully you did. And if not, I encourage you in the next second or two to write one down. And I want you to look at this word and think about it as I read James chapter 2 and verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead, right? So listen, I'm talking about action here. It's one thing to have faith, but as you look at that word that you wrote down, you got to take a step of faith. It has to be action to it, or the Bible says that your faith is actually dead in that area. So here's the question. Whatever the step of faith is in my life that I need to take, how am I going to go about doing that? What's the next thing? You know, if you don't take a step forward, you're going to stay right where you are or go backwards, right? Some people say if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not moving forward, you'll be stationary, and then you'll get into a rut, which I talked about Wednesday night, or you begin to go backwards. So how does this work? Here's how it works. Let's say you want to take a step of faith. Let's say you have a decision to make. You have five different options. Let's just say three, three different options. And, and you're not sure of what God wants you to do. And whatever, relationship, job, finances, whatever, health-wise, maybe it's a certain treatment you need to get. And you say, man, what, what, do I, what do I need to do? God, where do I need to go? A lot of people think, and I used to think this for a long time, that you just stay there and you don't do anything until God speaks, then you move. Now, sometimes that is still the case. I'm not saying disregard that. Sometimes you do have to just wait and hear from God before you move. But I'm learning, especially over this last year, I'm learning, and, and, and we'll see, that it, it's biblical that, you know what, it's not always just standing there waiting to hear from God. Sometimes we got to take a step of faith and start moving first. Proverbs 69 says this. Listen to this. And this, is, this scripture has, has really the Lord has shown me a lot more through this scripture. A man's mind plans his way as he journeys through life. We're talking about this whole journey of life. But the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. The Lord directs your steps. It didn't say that he, it directs your seat. Right? He directs your steps. That means you're walking already. That means you're taking steps of faith and the Lord will direct them. And I love this. He will direct them and then establish them. He'll establish the direction you need to go through with door. The Bible talks about open doors and closed doors. And if you're stepping out in faith and you're praying, I believe the Lord is going to guide you. He'll close the door if it's not supposed to be there. Oh, he'll open another one, right? So which way do I go? 
You know, God works best with moving objects. God works best with moving objects. Think about the children of Israel in the desert. The, the cloud, I talked about this Wednesday too, the cloud and the fire was always moving. I mean, it stopped for a day or two, but then it would start moving again. So you move towards something. Then he can divert you to where he wants you to go. Right? So you need to take a step of faith. You maybe have been praying about something. You said, man, I've been praying about this for a while and I haven't got an answer. I want to encourage you in 2019, what you might need to do is take a step of faith. Now, one of the ways to do that, one of the best ways is to get direction from the Lord as you're stepping out in faith is through prayer and fasting. Yes, I knew you knew it was coming. Through prayer and fasting, starting January 7th, we're going to have our annual 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you're, you, you, there's some of y'all sitting in this room right now as you hear me speak, you have a major decision to make this year. Might be next month you have to make a major decision. Listen, I want to encourage you to join us of a time of prayer and fasting where we put aside a lot of things we want to do. Maybe turn off the TV, get off of social media, fast physical food, you know, fast what you're eating, how much you're eating, you know, and, and, and put a time aside. We're going to have prayer meetings here every evening, 630 in the evening where we're going to come and pray together. You know, and listen, when you start fasting and really praying and seeking the Lord and you start taking steps of faith, I believe he will direct you. You're going to be more in tune to the Lord. If you, if you need any, if you're not sure what fasting is, when you walk out of the lobby to the right, the, the, the TV to the right, there's all kind of material. If you've never fasted before, it explains what fasting is, different kinds of fast, how you can fast. There's Bible reading plans. Uh, you know, one of the things I do every year is I read through the Bible in a year. That's just one of my yearly goals that I like to set every year to have Bible reading plans. We have them on our, our, our app now. You can follow along. So I want to encourage you to pray and fast. And then I said it also made God's word a regular part of your life in order to have constant faith. Because I find when I'm praying for a decision, I would say 80 to maybe even 90% of the time, my answer comes from the Bible. It comes from the Bible. When I'm praying about the Lord, what steps should I take? What do I need to do in my daily Bible reading time? Most of the time is where I get my answer. Think of it this way. Trying to take steps of faith without God's word is like driving a car with the windows blacked out. It's both frustrating and it's dangerous. Can you imagine trying to drive down the road and you can't even see out of your windows? I'm going, I'm going somewhere, but I don't know where I'm going. That's what it's like to try to take steps of faith without having God's word as part of your life. So join us, take a time, January 7th, prayer and fasting, and then get, make God's word a regular part of your life. That's why we try to start fresh the new year. Get your Bible reading plan, either paper or on the app, and take steps of faith, and I believe the Lord will lead you. Amen? So in order to look forward to 2019, you need to let go of your worries, adjust your expectations, take a step of faith, and the fourth and final thing you need to do is hold on. Hold on, brother. Hold on, sister. What do you need to hold on to? Hold on to God's love. You need to hold on to God's love in 2019. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, And I am convinced that nothing, everybody say nothing, can never separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, nor our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. There's that word. Our worries about tomorrow can't separate us from God's love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do you hold on to God's love? How do you do that? You can't grab God physically. You hold on to God's love by realizing that you're held by God's love. You hold on to it by realizing that you're actually, you're held by him. You don't try to hold on to God's love yourself. You realize 
that his love holds you and that you're being held by him, right? With the children in here, babies, whenever a parent holds a little baby or even a child, look, even as my kids are getting older, and I, and I love it, you know, but, but my girls, are the, the twins are 10 now and Bella's nine and, and the twins still, daddy, can I come sit on you? Yeah, baby, come sit on. And now they sit on me and their legs like hang over and like almost, you know, as they sit in the chair, but they still want to be held by their daddy, right? And so th- that's the picture we need to have. You hold on to God's love by knowing that, just like you can crawl up and you may be dead and, and or somebody, uh, you're either your parents or somebody's a mentor, a family member you had, being just the feeling of being held and being loved, that's how you hold on. So what can't separate you from God's love? Well, busy days can't. Angry bosses can't. Problems with your children can't. The loss of a job can't. World turmoil can't. You know, it seems like the world's, uh, and the Bible talks about this, the, 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 the love of many would grow cold, right? But even though the world's love grows cold, God's love is still the same. And he holds us. We need to be held by God's love more and more today than ever before because of the division and the, the lack of love. You know, personal discouragement can't separate you. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So what's yours? Write that down. Maybe you've been disconnected from, from, you feel like you've been disconnected from the Lord's love. Maybe there's some worry, some issue, something I just listed that you feel like has separated you from God's love. I want you to write that down right now. Write it down. It may seem like a little thing, but that thing that bugs you every day or has recently, I want to remind you that nothing, the Bible says, in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Hold on to God's love by knowing that you're held by his love. So let's go back over these four things real quickly to look forward to this new year. Number one, let go of all your worries. Remind yourself there's nothing that, that, that worry is not, that I'm going to keep casting worry on the Lord because I'm going to remember that he cares for me. Then you need to adjust your expectations. I'm not going to trust my circumstances for my joy this next year because those may change or they may never come. I'm going to trust in the fact that Christ is there no matter what our circumstance, and he can work out good in that circumstance. Number three, take a step of faith. Keep asking God, give me the strength to take the small step of faith that I need to take, whatever you wrote down. And then again, hold on to God's love and remind yourself the fact that you are held by his love and nothing can separate you from his love. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? Jude chapter 1 and verse 21 says, and keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously and looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which will bring you to eternal life. You know, the greatest thing that we can look forward to is eternal life. You know, the truth is, reality, we might not even make it through another year before this whole thing's wrapped up. We, I mean, the Lord could come back. I was reading again this morning about just the, the excitement that Paul has about, about the coming of the Lord. This whole thing may be wrapped up. The Lord could t- call everybody home, come back to get everyone in 2019. We might not make it through January, right? We might not, you never know. We just, none of us know. So the greatest thing that you can look forward to, I want you to look forward to 2019, but is eternal life. Because whenever it is, whether it's, Next week, next month, next year, or another 100 years before, you know, of course, none of us will be here in 100 years, but, you know, our lifetime, however long it may be, are you looking forward to eternal life? And the better question is, are you ready for eternal life? Are you ready that when this time comes, it says, look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that his mercies are brand new every morning. The Lord wants to pour out mercy on everybody, but we have to ask for it. And we got to be willing to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for my sins. I turn away from my sins. 
but you have mercy on me. Do me a favor, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, one of the greatest things you may need to do right now before 2019 starts is you need to get right with the Lord. What if this thing gets wrapped up and we don't even see New Year's Day? Are you going to receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ? It's available for everybody, but we got to be willing to first acknowledge that we need him, acknowledge the Bible says that we've all sinned, and ask him to forgive us of our sins and to have mercy on us so we can spend eternal life with him. Whatever head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know, I don't want to start another year without being right with, with God. I need to get my life right with God. I, I need to be forgiven of my sins, and I want to start this new year fresh. I need to give my life to Christ. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand. If that's you, slip up your hand. I see your hands going up everywhere. Anybody else? I see your hand over here. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? I know there's more people in here. Anybody else? I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See your hand in the back over there. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ma'am, I see your hand over here. Thank you, Jesus. It's the best way to start out, to end the year and start a new year fresh. All of you with your hands raised, the Bible makes it clear. Very simply, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. So we're going to pray together, and I want everybody to pray this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I receive your mercy today. And I ask that you save me. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we give these a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, before you leave, those of you that raised your hand, if you raised your hand, I, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. It takes about a minute to fill out at tops. Can you fill that out for me? And on your way out, drop it off at the info center. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. You can bring it to one of us up here. We'd love to meet you, pray with you. If you need prayer for anything else, uh, we would love to pray with you all. So let's, let's go ahead and look forward to 2019. Amen. Let's, let's, have, let's let go of our worries, adjust our expectations. Let's take a step of faith and hold on to God's love. Amen. Well, God bless you. Happy New Year. You have a wonderful day.